Hi, and welcome to Everything Theatre's podcast, where we chat to the creatives involved in bringing you some of the amazing theatre we get to enjoy. Find out how exciting new shows come together and listen to the behind the scenes stories from directors, musicians, producers, and more. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy. This week, I've got Nikki Diss and Vicky Gaskin. They are from Open Bar Theatre, who are a touring theatre company who are currently doing a tour of pub gardens, as we will tell you about very shortly. I'd love to meet you both. Just want to give yourself a quick introduction and then tell us what a bit more about Open Bar Theatre. Hi. <laughs> Hi. Uh, I'm Nikki. I'm Vicky. And we are the co-founders of Open Bar Theatre. I direct all the shows. Vicky's often in them. She's an actor uh, and also movement director. So yeah, that's basically yeah. in a nutshell. We produce and we produce the shows together. We send out shows throughout the summer to Fuller's Pub Gardens, um, all outdoor theatre, Shakespeare. We like to think how Shakespeare would uh, like. We like to think we like to think that Shakespeare would approve of the way we 100%. do it. We really push the comedy. We make it accessible. We make it relevant to a twenty twenty three audience, and hopefully have a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> but how did you decide you were going to go into pub gardens rather than you know other more conventional outdoor venues? So we started the sister company to Open Bar Theatre, which is Open Book Theatre, 10 years ago this year, um, which takes class adaptations of classic novels into libraries and community spaces. So that's where we started. So we were working in unconventional spaces from the start, which we both really enjoy. Mm. And also at the time, Nikki, with her husband, was <laughs> running a sort of a Shakespeare, a four-person Shakespeare theatre company. And so that's sort of how we came about fullers who had already been been having Shakespeare in their pub gardens um, and they parted ways with the company before but because we specialized in theatre in unconventional spaces and Nikki is an expert in all things Shakespeare um, we <laughs> and met open air and open like, air so, yeah. yeah done a lot of open um, air. and so yeah we met with fullers and said well this is what we can do so we trialed it out the first year we did it was 2016 and then sort of from then it's grown we we really enjoy what we do and mm. and love being outdoors. I just love spending the summer in pub gardens and all of the people that perform in our shows are all sort of people who like that big scale, outdoors, rowdy crowds a lot of the time because they're drinking throughout the show. And sort of over the years, the sets have all got a bit more epic, haven't they? Yeah. <laughs> I think going back to what Vicky said about um, it being sort of how almost how it was originally performed, that sort of sense of having to keep the audience's attention in a way that you don't in a conventional theatre space. So they will wander off to the to get another drink or and if if you don't want to lose them, then you have to keep them. You have to sort of they, they can't they could leave at any point. It's a very sort of easy like um relaxed space yeah. and like making making sure that everybody feels comfortable and everyone's laughing as much as possible yeah. um the Shakespeare knew that the best way to keep people interested was to give them something to laugh at um and all of his plays without exception have have a have humor in them we obviously tend to stick to the comedies Romeo and Juliet is in our opinion a comedy with a tragic ending a death comedy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's sort of, that's the vibe. Yeah. It? 
but yeah, it was Fuller's idea ultimately, and we we just jumped on board. I mean, I assume there's a massive difference between doing show in a library and a show in a pub garden. I mean, you have got a slightly different vibe and a slightly different audience, haven't you? But, I mean, the the difference between performing for children and drunken adults is not as big as you no. <laughs> would necessarily. <laughs> Again, easy to lose their like you have yeah. to keep their attention. Kids are as about as unforgiving an audience as anybody who does children's theatre will tell you. If they don't like something, they don't like something. And um, they'll tell you. Yeah. And they'll either <laughs> literally tell you. They don't have that. Um, and, and to be honest, a lot of our audiences don't have that conventional theatre audience energy because a lot of them are not convert that people who would normally go to the theatre. Our audiences are mostly made up of people who like going to the pub and think and one of their group when they were out for dinner at a pub said, oh, that looks fun. Should we go and see that? So we convert a lot of people to Shakespeare as well. We have a lot of people coming up to us saying, I've never understood Shakespeare in my life. I hated it at school. I loved this. I didn't understand every word. We're like, you're not supposed to understand, you understand every word. <laughs> it takes That's us a really thing. long time in rehearsals to understand every word. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think taking away that fear that people have of Shakespeare, that they're going to be sitting there wide-eyed going, I have no idea what's what's happening here because of a bad production they've seen or a production that didn't suit them or just literally reading it off a page at school, which is obviously not how it was intended to be studied. And I struggled to read it off the page. Like the, my process as a performer, like this deep into running a Shakespeare company involves a lot of going, what, like, what does that mean? Like, it's, it is so hard. I mean, one thing probably just to get out of the way quickly. Um, it's a ticketed <laughs> event now, isn't it? It's not one of these things where because the beer guard, you, you can't just turn up to the pub on a day. It is a ticketed event, isn't it? That's right. Just yeah. To make sure. And tickets do sell quite fast. So it is something that if you're thinking of coming, look up the dates and book sooner rather than later because we do sell out most of the shows, most if not all of them. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the. The pub closes the garden and it's a, a yeah, so it is a closed open air space. I mean, in as much as any pub garden is completely closed, a lot of them are by roads or by, mm-hmm. by rivers or, or by fields of horses. Yeah, or by fields of horses. <laughs> the horses get a free sale. We don't make them. Pay. Yeah, they don't need it. <laughs> Um, dogs don't need tickets lots of people bring dogs they don't need tickets that's a classic i mean there's another distraction isn't there dogs going running around your start you sort of just actors while they're trying to perform (laughs) which i assume assume has (laughs) happened and the dogs the dogs have really specific views on what characters they like and don't like (laughs) yeah which is a testament i think yeah 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 yeah. Um, but yeah um at least dogs dogs are on leads whereas we've definitely been upstaged by cats before but ducks ducks yeah Yeah. foxes foxes that's right there's a fox at the anglers one of the venues that that basically lives in the pub garden and loves loves the show popped into christmas carol this year Yeah, came inside yeah (laughs) is that anglers at teddington that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I had a feeling you might play there. That that garden is definitely set up for this, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but you yeah, are you are competing with the noise of the river. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the weir is right next door as well. So oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> absolutely lovely pub to garden, though, it's isn't it? Really lovely pub. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think you've touched upon this as well. So, I mean, how does the experience differ from sort of putting it on in a conventional venue as you say is it is it a much more relaxed much more open performance for people yeah definitely is we'd like we like to think that we do Shakespeare for 
quote unquote people who don't do Shakespeare so particularly you know in a group like Nikki said or in a couple where someone wants to go to the theatre but the other person just wants to sit in the pub garden it's a much less intimidating environment and you know you can sort of sit there with a drink have some food and it it means that if you're not sitting there enjoying every moment or understanding every word you're not sort of sat there in a seat forced to do this sort of one thing you can yeah you can be much more relaxed and but we do stick we stick to the text we quite often and that can be sort of I think people are sometimes a bit surprised by that we quite often get asked like who wrote it we're like (laughs) Shakespeare and we do obviously throw in the odd sort of ad lib to either explain something that wouldn't be explainable or sometimes we do change some references where we feel that that reference just is it sh- would have been understood by an Elizabethan audience, but wouldn't have been. So in Twelfth Night, there's a lot of songs that would have existed. So we've changed those because they were songs that the audience knew, which is why it was funny. But yeah, so they, so the comedy comes from the fact that to- Toby keeps being reminded by certain words of songs and goes into a sort of a reverie of singing those songs and the others join in well if the audience don't know those songs it's not the same we're not doing the same joke that we would have been doing then so if it again if it was a well-known piece of philosophy you've got to change it because it it just isn't quite having the same effect Mm -hmm. on the audience that you would have wanted apart from that we say very very faithful to yeah to what's it in the text and make it as understandable as possible um so yeah so I think we're, we're, it's always my favorite question is when people people say who who wrote, who wrote it? it yeah <laughs> which is lovely because yeah. if you're understanding Shakespeare for the first time yeah there are so great. many that's scenes in Shakespeare where you think that cut someone will say something and you'll be like that can't be they've they've changed that well that can't be yeah. right you go away and look it up and go oh my god that, that really is, is. with like, like Merry Wives of Windsor there's a like a turd joke like one of the characters pronounces third as turd and like everyone's like that was really funny what you put in and Nikki's like nope that's Shakespeare making a poo joke yeah, <laughs> yeah. it is I mean it's amazing how you can take that original say the original text and put it in such different contexts isn't it I mean I saw um yeah. Oh, and I can't remember what the play is. I'm not much of a Shakespeare connoisseur myself, but I, I, um, I saw um a Shakespeare play put into a 1980s, um, sort of European holiday destination. Amazing! And they used all the original text still, but it was amazing. Just by reframing it, it it gives Mm. it such a weird, different feel, isn't it? And you, it's very hard to believe it's what 400, 500 years old. Yeah, 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 and uh, all the relation. I mean, it's why it has lasted as long as it has for all the people who sort of say these sort of dusty texts. He did write human characters, and he, um, there are we've just literally just been doing a scene between Friar Lawrence and Romeo, and there's this like really strong sense of the paternal, like, and we've just been chatting about what that relationship is that both Romeo and Juliet have parental figures who are not their parents who kind of serve as their main confessors and and um why that is and and what that means for the relationships between those characters but ultimately at their heart it's his writing and especially his really good writing is so modern um and so and incredibly relatable which was the same thing that we found with the austin when we did that in um 
last month as well was it brought up all of these family relationships that we just weren't expecting I found out things everybody in that cast we've worked for worked with before had worked for us before and um, I was finding things out about their relationships with their family members that had all come out of working having a look at the text and saying things out loud they were like cool that is hitting hard that line for me is hitting hard or um, I can really relate to that yeah part of that character. Really sense and sensibility and it was you know oh that's yeah that's a very very modern sisterly relationship there's mm. nothing there's nothing really to separate that between a uh, between two modern sisters except for the the positions that they find themselves in due to sort of lack of lack of power and status as unmarried women so yeah it was it that was really fascinating because uh, it wasn't something that I was particularly expecting I love the, the stories and I love the writing the witty writing of Austin but I wasn't expecting it to have that she wrote humans she really knew people that's what she knew and Shakespeare was the same he he knew how people and and it wasn't that different we think that it's so different we've been conditioned to think it was so different but Everybody loved a swear joke. I mean, the number of like c-word jokes. So be careful what I say because we've been saying pe- it a lot in rehearsals. But and pe- and penis jokes. <laughs> the amount of penis jokes in Shakespeare. Yeah, like um, so, the whole yeah. second half of As You Like It is like littered with an ongoing penis gag. Yeah, but he knew how to how to make a play that would serve everybody. Yeah. So wealthy people would be laughing, poor people would be laughing, and it didn't matter. It didn't matter whether you could read. You would still you would still laugh at the jokes you'd still there'd still be a bawdy song that you recognize mm. from down the pub so yeah and it's the same going into a pub like there are people there are people who come and see the shows who just love telling you how many open bar shows they've come to see which is so lovely and they're real like either Shakespeare connoisseurs who were like oh, you know I come that we've had people come with the text and watch the show with the script in front really? of them which is terrifying <laughs> um, on one end or, or who just love our version of Shakespeare but are now becoming sort of people who know quite a lot of Shakespeare over the last few years and then people who have never ever understood Shakespeare seen Shakespeare someone I know came in his 70s and it was the first time he'd ever like acknowledged Shakespeare as an entity and so you sort of look back to the way Shakespeare wrote the plays and we're like well great we're catering to this really broad spectrum of people who know you know are expecting certain things particularly something like Twelfth Night or Romeo and Juliet there are some really famous speeches really famous parts for people who know Shakespeare but also people who don't really know anything about the story other than it's that famous Shakespeare play and so it's a real gift, isn't it, to have a script where we can really push those ends of the spectrum. Can we um, let's talk about your casting? Because as I say, I know you try and do something very different with your casting, don't you? Sort of in the inclusivity yeah. and how how you sort of basically get your cast together. Why are you doing it that way? And what are you, do you want to explain? Sort of quite what you are doing with your casting. Yeah, well, a lot of the, the reasoning, a lot of the reasoning comes from our background as I, before I became a theatre director, I was a performer and so was Vicky. The sort of the closed shop nature of uh, of a lot of casting and a lot of a lot of theatre, a lot of, you know, every actor dreads those sort of why don't you why, don't, why aren't you on EastEnders? Why? why? <laughs> yeah. Why are you in a, you should be in the West End. You're really good. You should be in yeah. the West End. You should write to this person. And yeah, I have. Yeah, no, <laughs> of course I have. 
all of our castings are they uh, go out on spotlight but we also do have an email address on the website for people to write to for castings if they're not on spotlight because we know that not everybody can afford to be on there either but we do it goes out to all the performers on spotlight our casting breakdowns and um we do the entire casting process ourselves we sort of quite quickly realized that what we're what we're trying to get and what we're asking a casting director to get is is not usual Mm. so we sort of acknowledge that to to get the people that we want to get we have to do it ourselves we ask for we are very clear and we say to agents and um actors please write something in the little box where you get to sell yourself and if they don't we don't we can't look at any cvs where we haven't got a clear like they even if it's just literally i've done open air before or i've anything like that then so we eliminate anybody who hasn't really read the brief essentially um and we get a lot a lot of applications yeah for the work that we um do. yeah um thousands yeah and so that's our sort of original sift and then we go through well and as a result we end up with a lot of unrepresented actors um we also make sure that our auditions are completely representative yeah. and with a high proportion of working class actors actors of color um and we also sometimes put out breakdowns that are maybe a little bit more open. So we might put out genderless castings for certain characters. We we put out um, a breakdown when we did Midsummer Night's Dream, we put out a breakdown asking for um, any gender for bottom and then ended up seeing a lot of the women and like and non-binary performers for Helena and Hermia as a result. So. Um, obviously they separate into almost like tall and short for Helena and Hermia but it just meant that we got a lot of a particularly body diversity as well as one Mm. that we're really keen and also we're quite explicit on our casting breakdowns about you know we're we're looking for individuals and I think there's a lot of people mothers uh, like you know mothers um, and people with disabilities who think well this this sort of casting isn't open to me so we have to be very explicit to be like let let us know what you need for the audition which you know it must must be quite a, a, a scary thing to sort of be up against um but to specifically say things like we we are really looking for all types of people in all sorts of situations and really pushing that agenda yeah hundred percent. And this is obviously no shade on like no. that side of the industry. It's just that for us personally, we kind of need to be there right at that at yeah. that beginning point. We have to do that work. And it's a lot of work. Again, like we obviously appreciate what cast and directors do. Because yeah. We have to do it and contacting everybody and then obviously contacting everybody who's auditioned for us or sent in a self-tape to tell them whether they've been successful or not. So it's a huge amount of work, mm. but it's a it's part of the process that is really important to us because we know how close those things can be and almost there's no still there will be people who think I put something in the box and I I didn't get seen and um but at least we do as a result we end up with a lot we all I can't remember the last time we had a cast that didn't have at least one unrepresented actor uh, yeah performer in it and when we get to rehearsals it it's evident how important that casting process is because you're you're working with something like Shakespeare and there are 
problematic moments in all of the texts because it is so old. Um, and so we have to kind of go through everything with a 2023 comb this year and go, well, you know, we, we can't really use that word or that phrase or the way that character acts. And, and to be able to really delve into what is inappropriate to say and to reference in the text, you have to have all sorts of diversity in the room. You know, Nikki and I cannot solely comment on what is racist or yeah. what is homophobic, for example. So it's really important that there, there is a group of people that can have these honest conversations and make sure that the show's going out is is appropriate. Yeah. 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 And listening, listening to the people that you have cast then as well. So it's not just a question of you don't just cast them, you then also listen to them. And with a mix of people in the room, mm. you haven't just got one person who's representing that um like who will know what, what's anti-semitic and what is it there's a lot of anti-semitism in in um, Shakespeare's plays which needs um ironing out and obviously a lot of there there's also a lot of racism also a lot of things that just aren't necessarily appropriate um mm. in terms of describing somebody's complexion and it's completely inaccurate or but also clues in there as to the skin tone of the performers who were who were performing it as well which is another much longer discussion <laughs> but things that clues that you pick up on when you haven't just got um the same types of people all in a room together mm. saying yes to each other or agreeing with each other um and that's a really important aspect as Vicky says we, we cast individuals for a reason we want to hear from them we yeah. want to hear what affect certain things have on them but also yeah to sometimes you don't spot all you don't spot everything and it's only when some when you're describing Olivia's complexion and you realize that it's completely inappropriate for the performer who's playing them this year that you then you can change it and change it to something that they are comfortable with because literally a lot of it was just he was just describing the people who happened to be playing those parts <laughs> at the time he had a company that he wrote for so most of those things would just be literally describing the person um and their figure so there's no need to be like to yeah like, to, croissant exactly with that, like, to kind yeah. of take that as gospel because it probably wasn't almost certainly the the i mean obviously tall and short always funny but again going back to midsummer there's an extent to which it's likely it was just how that was how it was cast and then the comedy comes from that and that's sort of how yeah how we operate as well yeah. using what we have to make things as interesting and as funny as possible and like you said car like casting people and personalities mm. and encouraging people we you know we I find we say a lot like we've employed you because we want you mm. and there's some people you know we've got someone working for us this year who I think she auditioned three times before we cast her and we were like she's so great she's just not quite right for this role and then last year she was and yeah this year she's working for us again but you, you, it's the yeah you, you want the personalities and people to rub up against each other and that's what's interesting isn't it yeah 100 percent. and it's hard work so you want people who want to do the work who want to who want to come along for the ride it's really fun but it is also for Romeo and Juliet for example we've got a several story like a, a three meter high standing rig so it goes slightly higher than that obviously with handrails and things um but they're standing at three meters and they've got to build that whenever they go into a new venue so that's all part of that process and if you're 
if that isn't for you then the job is not for you because oh. you can't have people who are sort of looking at it going oh I'm not really sure that I want to sweat and <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. put that I don't want to put that up in the rain so yeah that's a huge important like and mm. also all of this then feeds back into the accessibility of the performances um because seeing yourself represented on stage in all sorts of um in all sorts of ways as I say not necessarily having a skinny lead or a like a a, a larger comedy character or um and also yeah having different different races different religions like oh yeah all sorts of things represented on our stages that's that is important to us and we obviously have small casts so you can't do all things all the time but but we do our yeah. best essentially and we fill that room when we have those big workshop castings and Vicky leads them she's um puts them through their paces movement wise and then we do the scenes after we've had a movement workshop and that's a huge part of it as well as getting the best out of people in those auditions as well it isn't about whether you've prepared a, a monologue yeah. at drama school and can do one monologue it's sort of about getting everybody to the same level in those auditions and taking off that level of nerves like mm. at someone nervous in an audition is never going to be any good to anyone yeah you think the the way you sort of um you know audition and get your cast together then do you think it's something you'd like you feel should be more widely done do you think um do you think there is as you i think you used the word closed a couple of times there didn't you do you think yeah. there is that there is a closed shot within a lot of theatre still is it something that we sort of need to try and get away from yeah, hundred percent. I think again, it's not is it, it's, it's not the fault of any one sort of set of people. It's a lot of it. I know that casting directors will say, "Well, I've been told I can only bring in two people for this role," so inevitably you are then going to bring in people that you know. But I think it's giving giving it over to that casting process giving time like making sure that you commit time to it as a company we commit a lot of time to casting it's the most important thing yeah that you can do for me there's there's not an awful lot I can do with people who don't want to be there or with um people who don't have like I mean to, to be honest we don't really ask that you have anything except for enthusiasm do we but um obviously talent as well but there's but, but there's so many talented performers yeah. it's, it's really easy to find a talented and person performers want to do different things we mm. don't all want to do all things we've got performers who come back to us year after year after going and doing a show at the national or going you know and they still they'll still come back because they love being outside and they love they love the vibe of it so that's sort of what we're after but definitely i think we, we as I say, it's not, and it isn't just, it's not just us, but we know we've been talking about it already. We've, we're in, we're not even a week into Romeo and Juliet rehearsals and we've heard so many sort of horror stories and, um, it, and that's even once you're in the room yeah. and then, um, you know, so there's, and they're not my stories to tell, but we do know because obviously we work with a lot of performers that it is a very closed unrepresented actors are rarely seen for anything um well for example we can't have we ever had a major casting director come to one of our shows maybe one one, um, or, two, one yeah. or two we do open air theater with really talented representative casts we cannot for love nor money get 
so like these performers should be performing at the, in those big spaces they've got the voices for it they they've got like and again naming no names but there are organizations that should be coming to see our shows i i can a hundred percent say that our we, i mean i don't want them to because i don't want to lose them <laughs> but at the same time these these performers deserve to be moving up um and to be moving on and we will always find as this year is proving with our incredibly talented romeo and juliet cast four of four of the six of them are new to the company they are all just insanely talented. We always find incredible yeah. people. So, and they are out there. I think that's the that's the thing that's frustrating. You're sort of thinking these people are there. If we can find them in our like our small theatre company, they're there. They're there it, for the picking. I think it's a it's being brave and taking risks. I think you know again, this it's no fault of like one person or one mm. institution. I think. You know, we live in a world generally where everyone's so scared to make mistakes all of the time. It's the same sort of in the industry and with the casting process. I think people are just really scared to hire someone unknown because you kind of can't vouch for them. Oh, what are they going to be like? But I think once you sort of open open your mind a bit and go, well, let's let's give this person a go who hasn't sort of been been given a try more often than not you're going to get someone who's just really driven and excited and like will bring something different to a part than a lot of people have seen before yeah. which is really cool and really mm. exciting mm -hmm. i think there is yeah and i think there's something in the whole bringing in people who aren't in that sort of usual theater bubble you know bringing in <laughs> something who will as you say bring something different and in the way you do it, I assume you're probably you're more open then to get people who can't afford to get say on spotlight can't afford to be with agencies. so you yeah. you're getting again and that's why you're having representation that's why you're getting rep sort of working yeah. class actors who aren't always yeah. seen you're getting um sort of say people from minority groups that aren't always given the opportunity so it sounds a fantastic way to go and say it's mm. something that we should do more often right we are very quickly run out of time so i've got two let's send with two more questions so the first one is how the hell do you cope with the british summer <laughs> A lot of hope <laughs> and a lot of preparation. So, you know, we the, we make the set as weatherproof as possible. So particularly things like making it as grippy as possible. So if it has been raining, we can wipe it down and people are not slipping and falling. I personally am responsible for making sure that our sets are safe. Um, I'm a qualified rigger, so I spend a lot of time going is this safe is it safe to ask this person to do this but also is this like how's this going to go in the rain how hot is this going to be in the sun um and we just have to like not look at the weather report more than 24 hours before each show because you cannot trust it and just hope for the best um that you know there have been really rainy shows most audiences will sit through most rain if it gets too much what we often do is call a break the sort of torrential downpour tends to pass the only weather that we cannot perform in is uh, thunder and lightning because it's dangerous. <laughs> and particularly for Romeo and Juliet this year, it's on a you know three meter high steel structure. <laughs> so it's very much get away from the thing that's standing there going, hit me lightning. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, touch wood, we've had some shows that have been really wet, but there's always there's always an audience who will stay you know and and if people want to go that's fine it's 
not always pleasant, but we just have to accept it. And the great thing about Brits is people come prepared for the weather and mm -hmm. everyone knows that it can change like that. You know, everyone's sort of, you yeah. know, we've had audiences come on a sunny day and the weather report has said rain and they've come with their coats and it has rained and, and yeah enough people stay that there's still all, a still all the little plastic max get come out of the bags don't they yeah absolutely. yeah i've been yeah. there i've done that yeah dry <laughs> dry robes is the way people are going at the moment yeah that's the sort of people fashion discovered dry robes. Yeah. yeah right let's let's just say just finish things off then so do you want just just the last chance to tell us what is it about say your two shows 12th night and romeo and juliet that we should be heading to our nearest fullest pub to see this summer it's <laughs> a good question it's a really good question <laughs> they are if even if you are not like a Shakespeare person you will still have a fantastic time I can say that with confidence mm -hmm. you can have a drink and some food while you watch it so it's not stuffy it's 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 a, just a really enjoyable night out you can come home and say to everyone that you know all about Shakespeare um <laughs> without having to really do any work yeah yeah, we'll bring it. We bring it to you. Yeah. I think our our twelfth night um, performance is a four person, a four performer production. Um, it's all sort of modern clothes and really quick changes. Obviously, it's four people playing all those characters. Um, you may get dragged in, so be aware. Uh, don't sit near an aisle if you really don't, <laughs> don't want to be. But also, um, don't be scared to sit at the front because we don't always pick people from the front. And our audience but... participation is always warm and like you'll always be shown what to do. It's always like there's no pressure. Um, and always people who are making eye contact with the car. Exactly. It's uh, desperately not looking at anyone you won't get chosen. Yeah. But yeah, they're just, and our sixth person is our, as we've been explaining about our multi story rig. That's the one that's in our brains right now because we've just come out of rehearsals. And um, that's going to be lots of sword fighting, lots of death, lots of death, uh, but also lots of comedy. Lots it's a of very comedy. funny. It's a very funny play. And also both of the shows, we have a fantastic composer, musical director mm -hmm. who we affectionately call Baby David. Yeah. Uh, David Knight. And um, he writes a song for the beginning of each show and a song for after the interval, normally at the end. And if there's any songs within the show, which there's quite a lot in Twelfth Night, isn't there? Yeah. And so if you don't understand all the words, the songs will keep you up to date with the really important things that are going on. Yeah. And they're really funny, really digestible. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, after the interval, we always have a recap song just to make sure that everybody is still all on the same page. And if you missed anything, then it just catches you up. On it slaps you in the face. Yeah. It. <laughs> slaps you in the face of the story. With a catchy tune that you will never forget. Yeah, and a lot of ukuleles. <laughs> a lot of ukuleles. Oh, you, yeah. oh no, if there's ukuleles, I mean, why shouldn't we? <laughs> I mean, why did we say... the anglers. We don't With need the rest of this. Just say ukuleles <laughs> and, you know, we've got an audience. See, we should have just, that's all we should have said. We yeah. said a lead with ukulele. Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Nikki, Vicky, been absolutely delightful. As I say, we'll make sure all the details, say, go up on the website. This is, say, touring quite quite a wide area, isn't it? So you are yeah. hitting a lot of different pubs over this and summer. a lot of dates this year, so yeah, plenty yeah. of opportunities. I, I have looked on your website and the list does go on and on, doesn't it? <laughs> it really does, yeah. <laughs> But yeah. um, so so there's no excuse not to come. There will be that you will be playing somewhere in, in a pub near you. So yeah. do say do check this out. Thank you so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure and good luck with the rehearsal. Thank you for having us on. Thank it's been lovely. Us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Bye. -bye.
Thanks so much for listening and don't forget to share our podcast if you enjoyed it and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode.